It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. The more you meditate, the more you kind of explore this, and you have a mood coming up. You might say, you know what, I've got that mood, okay. I can't quite fight it just yet, meaning you still get pulled into it. But you maintain enough awareness to realize it's just a mood. You're able to maintain enough awareness that you know that you don't have to define your life by it. You don't have to say, I'm a depressed person, you know, or I'm an angry person, or I'm a morose person, or anxious. You can just say, I have this mood. And in time, the more you acknowledge that, and the more you see it, and you can say, yes, I have this mood, but you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to go do something fun anyway or I'm going to meditate anyway, or I'm going to live my life anyway, I'm going to go exercise anyway. Eventually what happens is that mood loses its power over you. It still may come up from time to time, but it's just like your annoying neighbor. You lived by that annoying neighbor for 20 years, he does whatever he does, he doesn't bother you that much anymore. He still does what he does, but it's not, it's not ruining your life as much as it did when you first moved in. So as we mature, this happens, and um, if you... If you think I'm just talking about this academically, I am not, because I was a very moody person. I mean, I can remember, I can remember uh, many times when um, I would have to go you know, teach workshops, and I would be in one of those moods where I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel enthusiastic, and I felt like, oh, well, you know, it's just the hormones are doing whatever they're doing and I don't like it and why am I here and you know the world's a, you know I'd go on and on in my head about these things but I would say you know what I have a purpose here to teach people meditation and I would put it aside and I would go and I would teach the class and I'd pick it back up when I was done <laughs> I should have just left it there <laughs> I should have just left it there, but I couldn't yet. I was, still, I was still attached to it. And that's what happens with our moods. We are attached to them because we think they are who we are, really. And I kept doing that for years until eventually, you know what happened? They're, they don't bother me anymore. Every now and then, you know, I can hear them knocking on the door. I'm like, nope, not even answering it. Um, now, I also have gone through a lot of psychological counseling. <laughs> So I didn't just meditate this stuff away and I didn't just repress it away. I actually looked at it and we went back to little Ryan when he was four and why that happened and we addressed it. Okay, so I'm not encouraging what they call, uh, what do they call that? The thing where you go past your stuff but don't... Spiritual bypassing. Spiritual bypassing, yeah. I'm not, I'm not encouraging spiritual bypassing. You do need to look at your stuff but... You know, if it's like 3 p.m. in the afternoon and you got to go do something and you can't call your counselor, well, maybe bypass it a little bit. <laughs> All right. But come back and look at it eventually so that you can move, move through it. So the, the purpose of all of this is to become a, a swami, to become a master of your states of consciousness. That way you can navigate the world with greater poise, you can realize that you are this eternal 
being and you can abide there and then you can live from it. When you meditate, you don't want to put yourself in a trance, in a stupor, daydream. You're not meditating to escape. You're not meditating to escape. Ideally, what you're doing is you're meditating to go within to access the internal state of spirit. That's the best words can do, so that's what I'm using, the internal state of spirit. And you use the meditation techniques to calm things down. It's like it builds a momentum for you to move forward. You use the meditation techniques to calm things down, to let go of attachment to the senses, to let go of attachment to the mind, to let go of the distractions. And then you're going to be inside. And once you're inside, you got to look around. And you want to know, all right, now that I'm calm for the most part, now that I'm internalized, what's going on in here? And it may be in the beginning, you're like, there's a heck of a lot of anxiety, or I don't know, uh, I, I can't sit still, I have one distraction after another. It's like you're going in to see what's happening on the inside. And once you're able to turn your awareness within and see what's going on in the inside, that's when you start making decisions about what you want to go on on the inside. So you've got to go in and you've got to look at it first, which means if you have not engaged in counseling or if you've not had that ability to kind of have some help organizing these things internally, you might have to go in and, and, and be a little uncomfortable because many, many of us don't want to be in the present moment. And we say we meditate to be in the present moment. But really what we're doing with meditation is we are just now distracting ourselves again and again and again away from the present moment by focusing on a mantra or breath awareness. It's like we're using that to hold at bay this internal stuff that we don't want to look at or feel. More so it's a feeling response. And if you can go within and you can begin to look at it and feel that, and then you decide, okay, this is what's there, but this is what I want to feel. And that's when you start meditating on or contemplating, imagining the state of consciousness that you want to feel. You feel anxiety, you feel anger, or you feel tension, or you feel this constant sense of you just can't quite be okay. Well, you feel it, but then you decide, I want to feel peace. And that's why when you've heard me talk about mantras and like using peace as a mantra, you don't just say it over and over again. You re-remember or re-imagine what it feels like to experience peace. Because now what you're doing is you're going in and you've got this stuff that's the troublesome, the reason you're meditating in the first place probably. Um, and what you're doing is you are encouraging a feeling of peacefulness and you are directing your awareness to peacefulness until eventually what happens is inside you start to vibrate with a sense of peacefulness and then that anxiety or whatever it is 
diminishes. It's like it becomes uh, overcome or overwhelmed or dissolved by the sense of peacefulness. You understand what I'm saying? And so then what happens is in time, that scale that we were talking about starts to tip more in the direction of peacefulness until it becomes easier for you to abide in a state of peacefulness than it does for you to constantly entertain whatever inner stress you might be dealing with. Now, I'm talking about this in really psychological terms. Those of you who might be a little more devotionally minded or more, uh, yeah, we'll just say devotionally minded, you can go in and you can say, I want to know what it's like to experience the peace of God or the peace of spirit. And then you just imagine and feel if you were in tune with spirit, as you understood it right now, what would that feel like? And then you reimagine, you feel it out, you feel it within your body. Um, and I wish I had sort of a magical formula to tell you how to do that. But what I can say is, think about a time in your life where you had to figure something out for yourself. You were just kind of like dropped in a situation. You had, to, you had to figure this out. No one was there to tell you. You had to like MacGyver it. You had to get your tape and your wire and your pencils and figure out how you're going to put this together so that it works. Could you shut the door? It's a little for now. Um, well, when you go inside, you have to ask yourself, all right, if I want to experience peace, if I want to experience a sense of connection to God or the infinite, you have to ask yourself, you as an individual, as Vern, as Dee, as Kayo, as Nadia, as Ben, what do you have to do on the inside so that you can give yourself permission to feel that? Because it's going to be different for all of you. And then every day, you practice your meditation techniques. You practice your meditation techniques so that you are internalized. And then you go within and you either call forth the experience that you're, you're aiming for or you ask, what is it like to experience that? And every day you are then more fully engaged in the meditation process and you start to live from the inside out rather than the outside in, which is kind of the whole point of this in the first place. Um, and that takes work and it takes time, but I guarantee you, if you did this every day for 20 years versus sitting around waiting for a Ramana Maharshi moment to happen, more than likely in 20 years time, you would have a much, 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 much better grasp and handle upon the experience and you'd be much more, you'd be closer if not already having uh, a Ramana Maharshi-like experience through the work, through the Kriya, through the practice, through the activity, through the action of the process. So you're here, you're not beginners. That's why I'm telling you this. I'm not telling you just, just do more Kriyas. You know, that's what, that's what you say to a beginner. A beginner shows up, they say, oh, well, you know, uh, I, wanna, I wanna be more advanced. Yeah, do more Kriyas. Okay, all right, well, how many is advanced? Well, 108, that sounds good. Okay, so you keep going. Oh, you're doing 108, let's do 216 Kriyas. That's still beginner stuff. Not that the practice itself is beginner, but the actual advanced practice is being able to go within and start doing, start working yourself out on the inside. That is the advanced stuff. 
And eventually what happens is you get it worked out. And then you live your life and you see your life not from the perspective of a little person that one day is going to die, so you have to cling to everything. Uh, you live it as though you have an opportunity to experience this life, the people that are going to come and go, the things that you're going to accomplish, the things that you're going to have to let go of, and then you're going to make it to the end and you're going to let that go. And then you're going to move on to the next state, whatever that is. Um, you know, personally, I think as long as you keep practicing, even if you don't think you're making any progress at all, you all are going to be perfectly fine when you die. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're going to be fine. You're going to get there. And you're going to say, I don't know. <laughs> you say, I'm not sure if I believe what Ryan's saying. And you're going to fight and you're going to struggle and you're going to be gasping for breath and you're going to try to hold on. Then the moment's going to come and you're going to leave your body and you're going to say, oh yeah, he was right. <clears throat> That's what they're going to put on my tombstone, by the way. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> so, um, but, I, but I want to encourage you to, before you go, <laughs> work the stuff out right that's really that's really the key it's better than sitting around waiting for it really you have to get enough sleep you have to be well rested because if you don't get enough sleep and you're not well rested you are not going to be able to stay awake while you go into these deeper states of consciousness because you are so used to falling asleep when you go into deeper states of consciousness that if your body needs sleep you're just going to fall asleep so you have to have enough rest because it's subtle. It's not like us just talking right here. You know, you can pretty much act like you're paying attention for the most part, and I believe you. But, <laughs> but when, you're, when, you're, when you're in meditation, you have to be honest with yourself, you, you know. And, and it is so subtle. It's like, it's like the moment, uh, I don't know if you've had this experience, it's like when you're, when you're laying down or taking a nap, and you're just starting to fall asleep and you just start to begin to dream. Most people don't notice slipping from being awake to dreaming. Just like when you're meditating, most people don't notice that they slipped from focus to daydreaming. That's a very subtle skill. It's one that you develop and it's very possible. I mean, it's absolutely possible. That's why we do this. That's why yoga is a thing to develop that skill. But if you're not well rested, you're never gonna be able to be alert enough to catch the shifts in consciousness to stay present as the shifts occur. You have to eat a diet that supports your ability to stay uh, mentally clear. You know, you can't just indulge in sugar on all the time and be living off caffeine. You have to eat in such a way that you are pristinely there. Like, for example, I don't do this all the time because I like pizza too much, but when I, when I eat a, a raw diet, just straight out raw, that is the time when I barely have to do a single Kriya, and bam, I'm right there, because the diet itself is so conducive to having the energy and the clarity to make that happen. Now, I'm not recommending raw diets for everyone because it's different for everybody, but you have to eat in a way that allows you to do that. You have to manage the drama in your life. You gotta get rid of your crazy ass friends. <laughs> you have to. You can hang out with them every now and then, but you can't let them dominate your consciousness. 
if they dominate your consciousness, instead of navigating the subtle changes in your consciousness, you're going to be ruminating over and over again about that email or that thing that they said. Or You understand? So when, when spiritual teachers recommend living a certain way, it's not because they want to torture you with boredom. It's because these are the things that will give you the clarity and the, the, it will allow your, your tool, which is your body, to be able to recognize those changes in consciousness while you go deeper. Like when Ramana Maharshi or others uh, say, you know, you live as though you are asleep. That doesn't mean you're just like dumb. It doesn't mean you're, you're just not thinking. It means that you have been able to navigate to, to maintain your awareness into those deeper states of consciousness so that on the outside, it very well may look like you are just gone. But on the inside, you are still pristinely aware. So when you come out of it, you're not like, well, I don't remember anything, but it must have been great. When that happens, all you did was take a nap. Okay. You might not be able to describe what you experienced, but you know you were there the whole time. You understand? So, yes. That's the answer. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.